Hello and welcome to Open All Arts, the QPR podcast. There are four of us here tonight to chew over what seems to be loads of different things that have happened. So um, I'm David Fraser. Joining me, obviously, remotely, because us doing it in the same room together is a complete thing of the past or seems so at the moment, um, is Paul Finney. All right. Very good. Also here is Low Lloyd Hughes. Hello, David. I haven't seen you in ages. We've been treading, and I haven't seen Finney either in ages, or Chris, really. I feel like we've all been living in our own little worlds and, yeah, navigating like planets. You were were having Wi-Fi problems up until today, but you seem to have Wi-Fi. I do have Wi-Fi, yeah. You've got a hat on. You've got a hat on indoors. I do have heating, but I like wearing hats because I find them quite sort of comforting. And as we're living through a global pandemic, you've got to, you know, latch on to whatever you can to make yourself feel a bit cosy. So that is why I'm wearing a hat. I'm not too cold. You wanted your head to feel held. Yeah. And that's what I understand that. And, well, I'll segue from one item of clothing to another, which is Chris. Charles. Hello, Christopher. Hello. You are wearing, I want to say, circa 1992 Brooks away shirt. Would that be correct? It's around that. Yes, it's around that time. I mean, obviously, I don't remember most of the 90s, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely around that time. But um, yeah, it is the original shirt I bought then, the the away Dennis the Menace Brooks shirt, which... um, it's a well, real Andy Sinton special, that one, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's that's the shirt we wore at Man City on the first ever Monday night game, I do You're believe, right. on Sky. Sinton scored, yeah. Yes, and also, you, and you know what, he's showing off, because he can fit into his, and I can probably get one arm into my old one, <laughs> and he's just showing off. Nah, maybe I, maybe I just bought a bigger size. Maybe I was into the baggy Happy Monday stuff at the time. Have you been anyway, it's a beautiful it shirt. Have you, mate? Wearing it all, have you been wearing it all day, or you just put it on this no i just I, I literally i had to change anyway and um and yeah i just happened to see it and i thought why not yeah he's put he's put it on for the listeners yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Those black and white is where watching in black and white is wearing a red shirt well let me do the bits and pieces before we get on to talking about the football stuff if we absolutely have to so the beers tonight so we're very fortunate to have sponsors, and we've got two. So the beers, and what's that you're drinking, Finney? You're drinking something. We can't see. Have I'm drinking a- gl- gluten-free uh, beer, which is called Drunner. D-A-U-R-A. I didn't know you were gluten-free. Finney, Finney's got a Turkish on the way, a Turkish takeaway on the way, by the way. so And we did promise that we would um, only go for 40 minutes tonight, so... Without Which is more than what our team does. Finney, start your hey. end. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Very good. Oh. Oh, very <laughs> well, I've been lining that one up and he talked all over it. But it's Stop the count. Stop the count. That's yeah. it. We're done. Um, yeah. Ruined that. Yeah. Uh, I said start your R's end now if we're going for 40 minutes. Right, the sponsors. Thank you to Alex East. Alex East has bought the beers. He said thank you for all your entertaining and insightful... Thank you all, I beg your pardon, 
for your entertaining and insightful podcast on our beloved QPR. Uh, I wouldn't wish uh, repeating 2020 ever again, but the one upside due to the cram fixture list at the end of the season was we got to hear you all every few days. There was no option to add wine, so not sure what Clive is going to do. Clive is not going to do the podcast. Tonight, so <laughs> no need to worry on that. What that a nice true. message. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was a very nice message. Alex, uh, we did do a lot of podcasts. We did, yeah. yeah we went pretty much all the way through, apart from three weeks, didn't we? And summer. we had some really good guests as well yeah. over the summer. Some and the thing, me- mentally health-wise, mentally health-wise, I think I made a word up there. Anyway, it, for our own sanity as well, it's helped so we're doing this as much for ourselves as anybody else and if it helps anyone else that's just a that's just a brilliant factor to what we're doing but it's yes yeah, more for mental health issues as well people talk about rangers who don't cause us any distress in the head department at all yeah um the episode sponsor is chris hoyer miller uh the message is i've had years of amusement for a minute i think he means us the podcast so I thank so. you to all the team even finney um, <laughs> As for a message, I guess if you could mention the lads that I sit with in T-Block, Ellerslie Road, that would be great. John and Sam Muir, Martin Higney, Dan Hagen, Dave Collard and Adam Chappell. No, we can't mention any of them. <laughs> Sorry. I wouldn't. Chris, uh, very much looking forward to one day being able to get back there as a group again. Well, maybe you are going on Saturday, um, which is something we will come on to talk about. However... Um, Let's talk about the latest sets of games that we've had to watch on TV. Um, you're going to do it because the house phone has just gone. So I will return <laughs> in a couple of minutes after you've talked about Huddersfield and Millwall. Finney, you go first because I'm pretty sure, Chris, I'll speak for both of us, but I was working AFC Wimbledon on Saturday. So I had the pleasure of not watching the Huddersfield game and I had no Wi-Fi on Tuesday, so I only saw pockets of the Millwall game on my phone on my crap data. So, Finney, yeah. I feel like you should take it away. <laughs> well, I definitely, I I didn't... the Huddersfield game I missed completely because I was we were doing the boxing. But again, it was quite, it sounds like I was quite blessed to miss that. But I have caught up on uh, social media and the like and lawful words. Uh, copyright Clive Whittingham. So, yeah, I'll do my best. But off you go, Finster. We've been empty chewed by David. This is bad, isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> The um, I didn't see Huddersfield either uh, until the day <laughs> after when I watched the highlights because I was taking the lead back from university. So I was, um, I was meeting her and it all went horribly wrong. So I only caught the tail end of the second half. But I rewatched most of it on the, on the free thing. Yeah, you know what? It really wasn't worth doing it. <laughs> and I hated myself for doing it. But I thought if I'm doing the pod, I'm going to... It wasn't good. We just... But this is the story of our season, isn't it? I mean, I... I, I I just don't know what the tactics were. I just feel the, 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 the their first goal was just like, wow, you know, to track back that 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 length of the pitch and then just let the fella run wet rad at the end of it just seemed the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Um, and I've been watching this team a hell of a long time because I'm old. But yeah, I don't get the first goal. I don't get... The defence is doing me head in. I can't work it out. You know, near enough, every goal we concede is a defensive blunder along the line. I mean, look at... Um, Millwall again, you know, the throw in and stuff. But what the hell's going on? Are we trying to do kamikaze football or what? It just seems, I mean, you know, you can talk about basics, you can talk about possessions, you can talk about ball retention, you can talk about these sort of things. But when you throw the ball to the opposition and they score and stop tracking players back and give them free range, all right, the second goal at Huddersfield is not a lot we could have done, but it could have been closed down a lot better. It just seems to me that we're just fundamentally 
crap at defending. And we say it week after week after week after week after week, and nothing seems to change. And our stats on defending, set pieces, and everything else is just a dismal. And I just don't know what to say. But the funniest line I heard today was on the WhatsApp group that I've got, which is for basically talking about QPR and to help with mental health and so forth and everything else and all that. And someone got blocked by Mark Wilberton for asking him, you know, what lay behind his mindset for the defence. And Mark Wilberton blocked him and someone said, it's a shame the defence can't do that much better. <laughs> which I well, thought well, was well, quite well, good. Did I put it politely? I mean... Was he that exactly what they said? I mean, surely he's not going to. Just yeah, block. it was. It wasn't that bad. To be fair, I didn't think it warranted being blocked for that's for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Finney, on just not understanding. And and I know Warburton gets very defensive. And obviously, hey, no pun all, intended. Oh, no pun intended. Mm. And we all heard the the um, you know what happened with Clive when he did his interview with them pre-season uh, when he gets asked about the defensive issues. But I just don't get it and and I know managers get really pissed off when people question oh what are you doing at the training ground but really what are they working on defensively because there has been very little progress maybe apart from the Forest game and the Borough game but arguably we were playing two teams well Borough at the probably the lowest point they've been seasoned because they've been very good since then and Forest who are crap those are the only been the good couple of positive defensive performances but I truly don't understand where you know where is the organization where is the strategy where is anything and I tweeted this the other day that I just get so sick of Warburton constantly referring to oh you know we can't concede soft goals like that well then do something about it <laughs> do, honestly do something about it because it is basic stuff and when there has been no advancement despite investment. I think Rob Dick is a good player and you can't obviously rely on one player to transform your whole defence. But to not really show any progress is really, really, really bad. But you know what really upset me in all the games I watched? And this is this sounds really stupid and I'm probably being a bit of an idiot just for a change. But the Don Ball free kick towards the end of the Huddersfield game where he just literally chipped it to their goalkeeper. I've never seen a free kick like it in my life. It's just like... I know we were 2-0 down. It was near the end of the game. Yes. But for God's sake, what is your pride? You know, just to, it just seems free kick set pieces at both ends of the pitch. Horrendous. For whatever reason that is. And I understand the manager's frustration, but if only he could do something about it. But also, what Ian Warburton said to Clive in the summer about the players and fines for conceding certain type of goals... Are they just that minted that it doesn't even matter anymore? That is the, that's what I'm confused about no. because they're feeling this in more th- ways than one. They're feeling it morale and results-wise because they're throwing away points in games where they've dominated. The first half at Millwall, Bristol City, massive, massive disappointment in that result when we played so well. And they're losing money. It just I don't understand how you then motivate a team which is taking a hit financially, points on the board and in other ways and performance-wise, and still there's no motivation there to change things. I mean, what do you do? Well, I, I mean, before he came in, well, you know, the, the fans of previous clubs that, that he'd been at, like Forest and Brentford or whatever, um, said that the problem was he was stubborn, had no plan B, um, which yeah, I'm not sure that's entirely true because there's a couple of games where he's done stuff and improved things, but but... In the, in the main, it's, it still seems to be going for that we'll score one more than you philosophy. Um, yeah. And 
which is fine if it works. But the problem is that we've lost, has been well versed that 40, 40 goals from the team. Um, and understandably, he's not going to get, you know, like for like, he's not going to get the exact same uh, replacement. So surely it's time to sort of revisit that and, 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 and try and focus on not actually letting them in because it seems we can't go a game without conceding at least one goal, um, which means we need at least two goals a game to win, um, which is not a very good, very good starting point. Um, and then after the Huddersfield game, I think he was moaning about fixture congestion, um, which which is fair enough. But then everyone's got that. Yeah, and he's been he's <clears throat> been moaning about that all of this season. And like Saturday, you said, all the managers are dealing with that. So, but then against Millwall, he has he has five substitutes, and he only makes. Two of them, so. I mean, and he took off the best two players as well. And he took off, yeah. Well, we're coming to that in a minute. Yeah, I mean Sorry. that was you had Chair and Carol running the game, mm. and then then he takes them off. I mean, it's not the first time; probably won't be the last. It's he like, really can't make a substitution, can he? No, but there, there is a, there is it is a managerial skill how how to use your substitutes, and even more so now that they are allowed to use seventeen a game or whatever it is. <laughs> And so that's that must be rightly or wrongly, whether you agree or disagree with what can we use five? We can use five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five here and seven in the Premier, right? Whether you disagree with that, the fact yeah. is that is massive tactically now. And he just doesn't appear to know how to I, I would also I completely agree. I don't think he's the best at substitutions, but I'd also say that we don't have the most fruitful squad. Uh, the depth of no. the, our squad is not great. And at the moment, it's like all we can kind of bring on is, is some fairly second-rate wingers who haven't played football for six months. And they're only just getting to kind of full fitness and full strength. So in that well, sense, I can understand why he's not using five because he's probably only got one or two that are actually worth bringing on that could change the game. But at the same time, there's only really been one game this season where we've seen him use substitutes well. Apart from not, that. I, I was I was yeah. going to make this point about the defence and we're complaining about how we are defending, rightfully so. But should it be any surprise? Because there has been no investment in the defence. We used Dickey as well. That, that's been the big investment. But but it hasn't really. I mean, we had to because Hall went. Um, and so we brought in who, someone who we think is a good defender. But then when you think about the rest of the defence, the goalie was a throw of the dice because there was no decent ideas left and it was a throw of the dice that everybody's quite happy with but it was sort of by accident rather than by design you can't decide between four fullbacks for the two fullback positions every week he's he's pulling Kane for Kakai or vice versa and on the other side with Wallace and Hamelainen as well and Kakai and Hamelainen have been there for years and never got anywhere near the first team and now all of a sudden when they're 23 or whatever they are, which is quite late for fullback, quite late for footballers to then all of a sudden kind of be like make it at that level, they're in. So have we not have we not just sort of down to the bare bones and it's to be expected? Or should him, should Warburton and Les and that team have done far, far better in recruiting for defence in the last couple of years? Well, the thing is, you've got like Wallace, who's on a long-term deal. You've got Keir, who's on a four-year deal. Um, they put Kaká on a four-year deal after a couple of good games last and season. Heimelainen's just got a new deal as well, hasn't yeah, it? Have so... they been put on a four-year deal because they're the answer or because have they, have they been put on a four-year deal because they're there? They've been put well, on a four-year the deal because, because they realise they they messed up with Manning and Bright by not doing the same to them. 
<clears throat> I mean, I, I, th I think letting Manning go, well, not let, I know he wanted to go, but surely there was a meet in the middle place. I mean, he's not really getting a game for Swansea now. I, I, I said it at the time. Um, I'll say it again now. I mean, he's a big miss. He should have been playing in the in the, in the games up until when he went, like like they've done with Bright. Um, and I don't know if it's Warburton's stubborn streak again over that, but that seems to be. I, I mean, it's like Eze. I mean, Eze is a different class, I know, but some of these players get better when they're not there. If you know what I mean, because you you, you only then you realise how much you actually miss them. And I know there was like much made about Manning's defensive abilities. Um, I can't see he's any worse than, than what we've got at the moment. And that's not decrying Hammerlinen, because I, I think everyone, when Hammerlinen first came in, um, you know, everyone thought he was decent. Uh, and the same with Kakai. I just think the last few games, and that, again, they're both young. Uh, they were both on international duty. I mean, they might be knackered, you know, that might be part of the reason. Yeah, but why, I mean, the other question is, why is it, it's near, near well, we're in December now, and you've got Adulma's still struggling for fitness, Willock's still struggling for fitness, Thomas, I know, has been injured. So there seems to be something going on as well with the fitness. And, you know, the, the players should be a lot more fitter. They're not going to get any fitter by sitting on the bench and getting five minutes here and there either. So it's all very strange. But, I mean, the, yeah, the trouble is, it's like, it's one of them things that every club in this division with COVID, apart from the few very rich ones, are going to be struggling for players and wages and budgets. So it's a nonsense to keep pulling out the top five or six spenders and saying, well, compared to this lot, we're better than they are. Um, it's lower, blah, blah, blah. We've got to, if we're going to realistically say, okay, QPR is not a team going for promotion, then we've got to compare ourselves to teams at the other end of the table and their budgets then. You know, we've, we can't have it both ways. And also, with FFP being more or less scrapped this year, if the board wanted to invest this year, they could have done. You know, there's, lo there's lots of ways of looking at this, but I mean, it seems to be we've gone for a strategy of having three or four players for the same position who may not necessarily be good options, but cheap options, but long-term are still going to be expensive because of the length of time they're going to be here for. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's No, it does. And I think in reality, what will happen if we, like, ideally, fingers crossed, don't get relegated, which I don't think we will, is we'll probably no, finish about par, about 16th, maybe a little lower, maybe 18th. And, you know, that will be seen as a bit of an achievement. But I think what needs to happen is the fans need to see some sort of progress beyond saving ourselves for relegation, making a bit of money, moving players on. There has to be some kind of progress. And that's, I think the biggest issue now is there's no signs of that happening because the same issues that were there last season still remain. There's going to be a massive turnover of players again. And there's, it just, feels we're just going from point to point all the time. And this is what Lee Hughes said two, three years ago. He said, he said words to the effect of, he always was consistent on this, I'll, I won't ever give a position where I think we're going to finish, but we have to progress from year to year. And mm. it doesn't feel like that's happening. The club may argue, well, COVID. I would probably argue that actually the outcome, the as a result, who, by the way, he's my main pleasure in football. Oh, mate, yeah. yeah. His progress. Oh, he was um, exceptional on the weekend. And I'm, yeah, he pausing got, he... I'm pausing match of the day and, like, watching that and winding back Palace games now. Yeah. Sorry, I know we're doing a Ronnie Corbett here. Um, a nice up-to-date reference for the younger viewers. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, or listeners, I should say. Um but yeah, he, he's been absolutely magnificent. You just see the stuff on Twitter and it's great that all the QPR fans 
are engaging in the Twitter stuff from Palace as well. It seems, in fact, it seems more comments from QPR fans than, than anyone else. And like I said earlier on, I think everyone who knows football knew he was a really once in a generation talent. But for Apart the, people, the ones who kept calling him lazy on the way through. Yeah, but for the people who kept calling him lazy, again, you know, um, you, you, now they'll be realising what a good player he is. Now he's not in the team. But thank God, Chris, we had that money. Thank God we were able to invest more than seven million because it is more than seven million. People think because you get a player a free transfer, it's, it's, it's free. It's not. There's a lot of expense to it of and course, agents yeah. fees and everything else. <laughs> so we've spent a lot of money, I think, from Eze to reinvest in this side. But how have we invested in the right areas? I mean, we've brought in three strikers, yet we only play one. You know, it's, it's things like that that just oh, kind of so like, we, 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 we've got to get the balance to the side, right? I mean, Carroll's come back a much better player than he left, but we're still struggling with the Cameron Ball. Who's going to, who's going to be that enforcer rule? And Ball's so hot and cold, and Cameron's just most of the game. I mean, I know people say if you actually look at the game live, he does a lot more than what he does, what you, what you realise. But he doesn't seem to touch a ball an awful lot. And I would have thought, as a footballer, that's quite a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, you talked about the defence, but it also you you got to look at the mid- midfield because the midfield is the, the protective barrier for the defence, and a lot of time the midfield gets sliced open like the you know the proverbial knife no. through butter. Um, so I don't think it's all on the defenders, um, especially when some games we're playing with two bloody defensive midfielders. Like that yeah. is what you would put to give yourself the best chance that you're basically doing. If you go for that, you're going almost for playing for a nil nil. And yeah. when you can still manage to concede a ton of goals doing that, something is seriously wrong. But how many times have we watched the season where you see, God, this is like a real moon of thorn, isn't it? I like it. I um, know I, it's weird because it could, it could be worse, but at the same time, it just feels like for every so- step forward, it's two steps back. And that's what's so frustrating is any glimmer of progress, like the first half against Bristol City, we then get bombarded with crap performances that make all that, and you don't, you know, claim nothing from that, make that whole 45 minutes completely pointless. But also, sorry, 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 David, just was was going to finish your point though, is how many times have we seen the defence get sliced and then their player slide in on the far post and just miss the chance by the inches. Mm. It happens way too many times for it to be acceptable and that's going to be cut out. And the strangest thing that Warburton did say is when he said, like, if we had got four points from two games, then you know, it wouldn't be so bad. It's like, well, we didn't get any. <laughs> um, that's what... Well, talking about kind of performances then and things that need to change one thing is changing from Saturday I mean I guess it changed from Tuesday as well but the big thing that's changing is crowds coming back um, obviously play away fans can't go to any games so this will be the first time that QPR have played in front of fans since February was it end of February or March um, first of all has anyone heard of anyone who hasn't got a ticket for Saturday? No. Who wanted one? Yeah. Most people I know have got one. Yeah, I haven't heard of anyone who went in the ballot who hasn't. I would actually be quite interested in hearing if anyone like contacts us on Twitter and, and let us know because it seems, I'm not sure it's a good thing that everybody who applied for a ticket got one because there's only 2,000 available. I had heard that on a good year there's sort of 6,000, 7,000 season ticket holders. Don't know if that's true or not. But that would suggest I thought it was more like four thousand recently. It is this year. This, this year was oh, really this year, low. Right. Yeah. Right. But even that's if it's four thousand, but even it is. But even if there were four thousand season ticket holders, that would mean that 
up to half the season ticket holder base didn't get a ticket and well, we haven't heard of anyone. Well, someone someone pointed out to me that a lot of our fans live in tier three areas. Yeah. With, I know a lot of people live in Kent. Yeah, uh, there's, there's, right. quite a, there's quite a few things that cancel people out straight away, like the tier three. I saw a few people on Twitter who say, it's so close to Christmas, I'm seeing old relatives, I can't risk it. Yeah, my whole well, family so. like got two like kids and stuff that even though we've still got our season tickets, you, you guys will know as parents when you've got a toddler, like plans can't really yeah. be made. So nice I think I think there's fans. just yeah. I think there's just a lot of people in that situation. So the 50 50 chance, it sounds okay. probably about right. But having said that, if we were top of the table, there'd be oh, there'd, there'd, oh yeah, there'd, people there'd, be fighting their way in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've, got, you've got to factor that in as well. I think you know because we, we we I think it, I'm correct in saying we lost three on the bounce before Millwall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's not exactly in, in you know I think you know there was a caveat with everyone who said they got a ticket. Yeah, got a ticket. Brackets. Not sure if not sure if that's a good thing or not. You know. Um, well, I- I had a stroke of luck because I got a ticket, but then I was told that um, I have to isolate for a bit, so really? I can't oh, go, wow. and uh, I had to return it. And no, are you that was is- a bad joke. Are you isolated your sense of humour as well? Yes, you've <laughs> isolated yours since the start of the pandemic. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I, I sh- I'm I'm clear to go for the Stoke game though, so it will probably be my. Still be the only one there. I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and get a last minute ticket now just based on David's pre-pod recommendation, but I didn't apply because I thought I thought I was gonna be working. I'm not working, so now I'm gonna be feeling sorry for myself watching at home on Saturday. So I might see if there happens to be any that got returned because actually it'd be quite nice to go even just on my own and well, I, I don't know. Too. I don't know if it's going to be nice or weird. That's what I'm not really sure about. Uh, it's actually going to be really yeah. strange. Or... But did, can, can I just give a top parenting hit, by the way? As you just said, there, Flo, about having youngsters at football. I'm looking around and make sure Lily can't hear me. I don't know why I'm saying this. Secret with toddlers is telling you, taking them to see sightseeing and take them to the way match on the way to where you're going to see sightseeing, which usually involves the Bull Ring Centre in Birmingham. And, yeah. and, and motorway service, services. Yeah. Absolutely. And Absolutely, and that's how I brought my child up to be the final. But I know I am. I am really intrigued for whoever is going on Saturday to report back and say what the experience. I think you'll get in, Flo. I think you'll be fine. I think. um, Well, Flo, I I called up today and gave my two back and said, "Someone else, I'll have a go. Someone else who appreciates it needs to take them." (laughs) You right, Finny? It's it's it's, the the dog's gone see now. I can't help it. He's old. (laughs) But by the way, to be fair, um, (laughs) this is true. I I'm in a support bubble, so I was agonising. Should I go? Should I go? But of course, if I don't go, the person in the support bubble who lives in their own can't go. So I feel that I should have gone. But I do feel sorry for people who couldn't go, which turns out there wasn't a lot. So I didn't want to go on Twitter. Are you going or not? I am, but I I didn't want to go on. I didn't want to go on Twitter and stop large it and said oh I'm going blah blah because I feel for those who can't it's not for the rubber noses in it but it seems that most people did actually get a ticket so it's, it's an interesting one I'm wondering what the crowd would be like for Stoke Low. yeah that could be I'm a different kettle of fish I'm not reading sort of fans of other clubs on Twitter no one is saying who has gone to a game in this 2000 capacity thing no one's saying amazing loved it I, I was brilliant the- experience People are sort of saying the opposite. Like, mm, mm, I, I was listening really to it. the Liverpool game in the car on the way back from work on Sunday night, and the crowd did really 
like change the listening experience for sure. I think from like listening on radio perspective, and I think it was probably the same for TV as well. Like the dynamic completely changes and the energy of the game seemed a lot different. So I'm just hoping that might have some effect on QPR because we really need that. But that well, well, it did really sound quite different and quite kind of, yeah, there was just more energy, more life. Can well, I have a question? And Sorry, go on, Chris. No, I was just going to say, I hope it doesn't have the opposite effect, you know, and, and it, you know, within 10 minutes, you, you know, the booing. they're getting booed and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, cat calls and players being singled out. I, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, I was sort of likening it to, you know, uh, various League Cup games I've been to, Swindon springs to mind and, you know, but everyone seems to be in the same place. So I think it's either upper school or in the, in the um, South Africa road next door, a block. So hopefully I'm hoping that we can really get behind the team, make some noise. What I'm most looking forward to is just the ritual with my daughter, getting the tube again, getting outside to white city, making the walk through the alleyway up to the ground after that. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, I'm not expecting great things, but um um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It would just be nice to do that again. And then what, what I have found is that it, it's it, it's much better when you lose a game to be at the game and be with, you know, a few hundred like-minded supporters on the tube, talk it out on the tube. And then by the time you get home, you, you're okay. Whereas here, just on your own, it's like, you know, what do you do? You know, apart from, you know, go out and, 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 and punch a few street signs or something, you know, it's... Uh, so you're telling me that your street signs around where you live are absolutely battered by this point oh, this Christ, there's none left now, mate. <laughs> Last few weeks, they're all gone. Can, can oh, I ask, and this does lead on to sort of chatting about the Millwall game and the non-football stuff around Millwall. Oh, God. Before we talk about that, the way I watched the game on Tuesday, I was in quite a loud environment. So I couldn't hear it all because I didn't watch it at home. I was at work. And... Did, am I right in saying they still piped, so, even though there was crowds, they piped some crowd noise in? Or have I got that completely wrong? Was it Has the fake crowd noise gone or is it being used to supplement the few I, I saw someone there? say that on Twitter, but I couldn't tell. But I was also watching it on my phone with really bad signal and it was really patchy. So I can't say for sure. But I saw someone on Twitter saying that, that they thought that too. But because I don't it, know if I mean, we're others gonna, noticed. I mean, we may as well talk about it now, but the various ceremonial gestures seemed to be, there seemed to be a very, very loud cheer for all of them. And they seemed to be heartily supported from what I could hear. Uh-huh. I couldn't work out whether that was truth or fake news. Did they pipe the booze in for the last game as well, then? <laughs> well, I think dog? I know that some broadcasters have mm-hmm. still been piping in like fake sound effects during the game on top of a few spectators that might be there. So I don't know if they're doing that, but in terms of Tuesday, like I thought the whole thing, I thought I was appreciative of what QPR did. I thought the club held themselves very well and they gave a great account of themselves and Ilias chair and Bryce Samuel's goal celebration was amazing. And I, like, I think everyone's so proud of them for doing that. But I think the pre-match um, display theatrics um, were pretty embarrassing on all mm-hmm. sides. And to have Jeff Cameron, the world's biggest Donald Trump fan, uh, holding that banner just makes the whole thing seem even more hollow. And I just feel sorry for 
for the Millwall players who do support Black Lives Matter wanted to take a knee and had to be put through that, especially Marlon Romeo, who was holding the shirt up at the end. And people think that's some kind of strong statement. I think it's completely embarrassing that they've basically put players in that pressure and that position that they have to do that. I think they should have supported them. And for people to be saying that that is an amazing display of unity, effectively and fundamentally, the Millwall fans showed disdain and disgust towards taking a knee and none of the Millwall players took the knee. So I think it's pretty clear and obvious to use the lingo of VAR in football, what the main outcome is of that situation. So I think QPR, you know, were really good. I was a bit disappointed what Mark Warburton said afterwards, but, you know, it. I'm sure he didn't really have any other way to say it, but, you know, he was saying, oh, you what know, Millwall... Well, he just he he just parroted exactly what Gary Rowett said, which was, you know, Millwall deserves so much credit for their show of unity and what they did tonight. And, you know, I guess it's a personal opinion, but I just completely disagree because I think all they did was create their own anti-racism slogan created by a bunch of white men and a majority white fan base and and then just use that as a kind of cover up to paint over the cracks of the real issues there so well, i yeah. completely disagree I, with that but I, I agree with almost everything you've said flo i and yes it, these are all personal opinions for there will be people listening who have entirely different opinions and that's fine and we're only representative of ourselves it did feel that whole mills response it did feel very donald trump no one's done more for black people than me sort of vibe didn't it yeah and it was I think Millwall have to sort their own house out and all those issues that you've raised, I don't need to repeat. QPR were dragged into it and I agree, they came out of it well. But getting there took a bit of work. Like it was all, it, this whole thing since the Coventry game, in my view, has been a bit clumsy and a bit clumsily handled. And I don't know if this is true or not. I, ha- I have heard that some members of the QPR communications team are on furlough and I think in weeks like this it shows because I thought the whole message around it and what QPR was saying we're doing we 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 haven't taken the knee against Coventry because we don't believe in it and we believe in gestures and action and that's fine then not thinking of the unintended consequences of that which led to Les Ferdinand's statement being reprinted in full by a Millwall fans group to justify what happened. That, official that happened. fans group. Official fans group, right. And and they printed his statement to justify their own actions, which shows how clumsy that was in the first place. Then to sort of carry on taking the knee in subsequent weeks, not mentioning it, then coming out on whenever it was Monday night and saying, we are taking the knee. Then there was a Zoom call with Millwall, we're not taking the knee, or we might do, and some of our players might. It's been a little bit all over the place and inconsistent. I think what has helped QPR is the intentions are good, and the heart is in the right place and they do good things and they're at the, you know, the actions do speak louder than words. Thankfully, they speak louder than words because I'm not sure the words from QPR have been that good. Yeah, I mean, Chris, it, was sorry, a, Chris. It, was a, it was a bottle job all round, I think. Um, mm. And a bottle job, a bottle job because um, the hierarchy at Millwall are clearly embarrassed and rightly so by the booing and knew that if it just carried on, uh, if it just rolled out as it was going to roll out, then you would have had the booze again. They had to hand leaflets out 
to every Millwall fan before the game, asking them not to boo. I mean, you but know. What, but what's wrong with not? Why why avoid the boos? Like it, it is what it is. That doesn't mean you should compromise your. your Millwall's Millwall's taken that. To do it. No, Millwall's taken that. Um, David was. They want us to feel. Um, whoever they are, I don't know. Um, and everyone knows. And it's that kind of no one likes us. But I mean, I had a really bad experience in, on Tuesday before the game where I was. My, my barber's a Millwall fan, which is fine. Um, nothing wrong with being a Millwall fan at all. And we're having a chat about it. And he was appalled from it. He's very anti racist. He's, he's Greek by heritage, but it doesn't really matter. But he is. And, you know, he, he knows as many West Indian. Millwall fans, you know, it's Greek Millwall fans, you know, they all grew up in the same sort of area they went, they, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a bit alien to him and he felt a bit sick. But then across the road, there was outside his shop and obviously my stuff, my van's got QPR stuff on it. And um, this fellow comes up and goes, oh, you're a Rangers for QPR fan? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, if you don't take the knee tonight, you're scum. <laughs> and I'm like, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's outside my shop. I go, well, who do you support then? And he goes, Coventry. He goes, it's about time football fans showed them that we will not be bullied into this. Um, acceptance of diversity um, went on a complete rap, which is fine. That's his opinion. Um, and I was really gobsmacked, proper gobsmacked. Like, I was almost transported back to 1977 again, you know, when all this was kicking off. And, you know, and I just don't get that mindset. Listen, you know, I don't want to hear things of like saying white people can't be anti racist. Of course, white people can be anti racist. We, we, you know, you just don't look at five white people and say, well, they're all going to be racist because not one of them's of, of color. That's a nonsense. We're not, people aren't saying that. We're just saying that it's equality. It's not about black lives matter more than white lives or Asian lives or anything other than that. It's just about equality. Now, it doesn't matter if some of these players are earning X amount of money a week. The footballers, it's, there's got to be an acceptance that somewhere along the line, as a nation, we've got to have the conversation of why people are spinning this and, you know, come back with, it's Marxist, it's this, it's that, well, it's the, 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 thing, the thing with the Marxism, I, I, what, what needs to be made clear is what the footballers are taking the knee for. They're not, I mean, the, the movement itself or, the, you know, the first hashtag was three women who happen to have Marxist ideals who set up the movement, um, which is fine. That's up to them. Um, but uh, the movement itself has has, has, has grown so much. It's, it's almost outgrown that. You know, it's 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 not it's not about it's not a Marxist group. Players who've taken the knee aren't taking the knee because they're fervent Marxists. Uh, and the Millwall players aren't booing. Uh, I agree. Players taking the knee because they're fervent anti-Marxists. What I th- what I think would help is like an explanation to everybody because like you say not everyone agrees with what we're saying that doesn't make them racist some people might you know rightly or wrongly hold the view that it, it, they are supporting a marxist organization that is you know is it, 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 threatening to sort of like defund the police xyz i think somebody needs to come out and explain to people why the players are taking the knee for the people who don't uh, know? Sorry. Yeah, but, but the thing is, the the Marlon Romeo tweeted his own fans saying why he's doing it, and they still don't care. So I think yeah, no, I no that. matter how many times but, but, but you Chris, say, they, people they, don't want to listen. If they are claiming to be intelligent enough to understand the nuances of Marxism, then they ought to be intelligent enough to understand the argument you're making. And the truth is, they do understand the argument you're making, but it is intolerant. I will be, let, I'll, I'll be honest, I have huge problems with the Black Lives Matter political part of it. I find some of the things they said offensive and anti-Semitic, and I would never, 
ever associate myself with that part of it. However, I, I, I understand that it's bigger than that part of it. It's a gesture and it's a gesture that, uh, or it's a, it's a symbol of what is going on in the world and equality and for people to be treated the same. And first of all, I can make that distinction. I have no problem with it. Second of all, even if I did, what, what, what's happened to like, you can disagree with things and keep your mouth shut, can't you? Well, that, that, it is it is intolerance. It yeah, really well, that's is exact, just intolerance. That was the point I was making. I was saying the Millwall fans who were booing didn't boo because they were booing a Marxist ideology. They booed. Yeah. Be, 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 that, that, that's what I'm saying. They they they, they booed because they, they they don't like the idea of of players taking the knee. And, and I think most people understand the Marxist thing was brought up by Trump and Rudy. What's his face? Uh, Giuliani. Giuliani. Yeah, I, was, I, I said, what's his face? So I couldn't pronounce it. But that, that was brought up by them to try and, you know, stem the flow of it. And But not only them, Chris, it comes from British politicians as well. You had a government minister on Sunday morning TV going on there and basically calling it, if you take the knee, you've been, a, you, you, you're, you're, you're politicalising something and it's a political thing, which is just going into that narrative again. And it's just kind of like, no... What I'm upset about as well is that it's, it's demonising white working class kids. I'm a white working class kid. I have absolutely no problem with racial equality whatsoever because to me, class is not colour blind. You can be working class and poor and be any colour. It doesn't matter. And it's not about them having more than us or us having more than them. It's just about can we just be bloody decent to each other? How freaking hard is it to be a decent freaking human being and only hate someone because they're an absolute twat? who haven't harmed you, why would it in God's name do you judge someone simply on an accident of birth, creed, you know, sexual preference or anything? People are fucking people. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Well, that's, that's what I was trying to say. I was just trying to say. But no, I, you said it well, Chris. Don't worry. No, but I, I think there are some people who maybe can't differentiate between BLM, the, the, the original political group, and BLM, the mass movement that's followed it, and, and, and are, are, are sort of swallowing... The stuff that you know, it's basically a Marxist organization, everyone wants to, everyone wants to agreed. You know. but, but then, Chris, back in the day, you know, suffragettes and would people have had the vote if people hadn't gone and done things? I mean, you know, people could always look at the extremes of what any organization, and I mean, any organization be it the Tory party, the Liberal party, the Liberals, blah blah, there's always lunatic fringes in everything. But you've got to look at the general picture, which is equality, and this should be, and maybe the FA, the Football League, we're all us are giving out the wrong message I don't know but I, I'm a thick idiot and I can understand it so why can't everybody else it's not about well, well, I mean I'm not not um, making a point about Finney's intelligence but I would also agree that I don't <laughs> I don't think it's you know people not under, uh, you know failing not understanding I think it's them them deliberately making those definitions and, and wanting to assume and make those assumptions because it's divisive behavior and it does, it does, it stirs up things. And that's exactly what it's done. It stirred up hate on Twitter. It's her, stirred up hate to, in, you know, public spaces in, in, in and football all stadiums. As well. Yeah. And then it's achieved what, what, you know, the people who, you know, the, the person who is su- tweeting their support, for what Millwall did against us on Tuesday night is the man who organised the White Lives Matter um, plane in Burnley that flew over um, 
this uh, Etihad, wasn't it, in the Man City Burnley game? Don't is that the that sort of people? Is that the sort of people you want to be endorsing your club's actions? No. So I think you know this is deliberate, divisive stuff, and it's why I was really disappointed when the club stopped taking the against Coventry. Completely respected Les and what the club stood for and what they did, but at the same time, is do you want to be going and aligning with those sorts of people? I don't think so. And if we even accidentally align with them. It, it, you know, it's not worth it. This is really divisive behaviour. And I just think yeah. it's... I, I mean, you're sort of preaching to the converted flow, but what I'm saying is that, it, that there might be people listening who don't consider themselves racist, who might have, 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 have heard the stuff about the Marxists, the BLM, and there might be people who are genuinely against the BLM because they believe it is some political Marxist movement. And I'm saying that it might be nice to... to for somebody to come out and explain to everybody to make it categorically clear why the players are taking people have look Chris I've heard I'm in the van day in day out because basically we're very slow yeah they have it's it's been said if there is anyone listening who's in that position and I'm not being cute about it if there is anyone (laughs) that genuinely cannot differentiate between those two things and needs it explained get in touch and we will Uh, yeah (laughs) <laughs> and it, just feeling, yeah. talking of talking of lunatic fringes it, <laughs> it now make it now makes sense that you had a Millwall fan cut your hair i've been looking at you hey! for the last half an hour. those comedy lessons are paying off man are they are there long i would just i would just say this and I, very I'm good quite, i'm going to be quite emotional about this i'm still pleased there's a little bit of her still to cut when that last segment of my hair goes and i have nothing left I will be tearful. Yeah, I'm looking but forward moment... to the McLaren Hair Island. It's in the. Mate, it's it's freaking getting there. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, I wouldn't want to live on that island. I'll tell you that for nothing. Uh, I don't want to live on that island either, to be fair. Very uh, uh, quickly, oh, before we. Yeah, before we go on. On. I was going to say, before we go on. this quickly, you know you're going to be listening for another time. All right, Vinny, do this as your R's end. Okay, Anton Ferdinand, the documentary. I think it was amazing. I think he was brave. I think. Anyone who didn't realise John Terry's a massive Egypt will come out knowing that he now is a massive Egypt. And I'm sure there's many stories will come out about John Terry down the years. But full respect to Anton, who made that documentary. And even in the documentary, reached out to Terry, which I was very surprised at and was ignored. And um, You weren't very surprised at Surprised, not surprised, that kind of thing, I guess. Um, but, you know, and then you read John Terry's statement, and you go back in the FA and how disgusting they were and how they treated him and everything else. Absolute shit show from the FA, and and while we talk about Millwall and other clubs, because other clubs will boo it, it won't just be one club. This will get booed a lot because some people are being lied to, and that's up to them. But I, you know, and I just looked at it and I thought, you know, this is this is this is where it starts, and the booing is where it ends. Do you know what I mean? It, it's the FA don't help. So when they come out with anti-racist stuff, and then you see how they interviewed Anton Ferdinand, how they interviewed John Terry, you can see why. Unless the people at the top take it seriously and are advised and educated, it will carry on. But full respect to Anton, full respect to, to QPR for hopefully sticking by Anton at the time because it, was, it couldn't have been easy. And um, shame on all those Chelsea fans outside who defended singing, Anton, you know what you are, after we played them. Shame on you. Well, this is the whole point of, you know, and I was saying before, just for people who don't know, but for people who do know, this is the whole point of the Black Lives Matter, the Black History Month, all of that stuff. Is to eradicate this stuff from the public, to get rid of all those like Stone Age white men, and to have a diverse 
board or you know a diverse workplace to show that that, that you know we we can all we we should all be given the same opportunities. That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, um, I, should, really... I should I should make it clear because everyone will have thought it as you said it. There are three Stone Age white men on this. Zoom Absolutely, one hundred percent. One of them happens to be very bold. We understand that. We understand that, and we I, I, I would certainly realise that we would not want to be. We would want to be more representative than that. But we and, and I'm happy to. Ha- and to be honest with you, Dave, I'm happy for people to come on who don't agree with us and tell us why they don't agree with it. I'm happy with that. I'll listen to them. I won't shut them down. I won't laugh at them. It needs the conversation needs to be had. Otherwise, we're not going to progress. But one thing I will say, and this is purely personal, a mate of mine who lived in Kilburn, black fella, used to go to the pubs. The reason why I'm saying black is because it's relevant to what I'm about to say. And, you know, you couldn't, you know, we go back way back, one of my closest friends, and I've given up counting the number of times people would say to me when he went to the toilet, oh, he's all right. He's a bit different from the normal ones, isn't he? And then when he comes back, I'm going, Dave, we're leaving. And he's like, not again. Do you know what I mean? And 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 I just don't get that. It's just I fought racism all my life. I thought it'd been eradicated through the game, and I hate this thing of torn the working class as being racist. It's nothing to do with being working class. This is just people, as Flo said, being motivated by others who have got an agenda. That's how I see it because I can't understand it. How can you hate anyone who hasn't got a choice in what they're flipping born? It's nonsense. That is my R's end. That is your R's end. My R's end is actually on the subject. So I will just say it very quickly. doesn't even need any discussion on it. My R's end is the goal celebration. Ilias Chair, Bright say Samuel. When Respect. they took the knee and did that. And I think even if you vehemently disagree with taking the knee and Black Lives Matter, you can respect two young boys on foreign territory, as it were, standing up well, literally kneeling down for what they believed in when there was all that cacophony of all that other stuff going on and they did that i think i'm really proud of them yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and a great goal as well may i add great sticking it well. sticking it to the man that's exactly what they did it, they just yeah just took all that hate and bile and threw it back at them and i'm not and saying you know what? everyone in there in that crowd was, was I got no, that? I know you're saying. But with a big who, who was there and who was massively embarrassed by it. But yeah, well done them. I know lots Wrong. of ball fans are decent, but well, one thing I will end it with as well is: wouldn't it be great if we never have to fucking talk about this ever, ever, ever again? Well, we don't know what Chris's R's end is. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch um, 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 to the absolutely ridiculous um, Christmas time, Mister Time Wine. Um, yeah, it's normally shit telly, but uh, there's one good thing going to be on this Christmas, and it's Christmas Mastermind featuring Steve Palmer. Just in case, really? none, yeah, he's going to be on. Wow, Christmas. that's a throwback. He's going to be on Christmas Mastermind this year. Apparently, he's wow, a very, okay. very intelligent guy. He is. No idea what his specialty subject is. Um, I'm sure you guys could so, running backwards. So <laughs> I, I, I do feel like I need to reference this because. If you are 25 or under and you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of every QPR player, you may not know who he is. He was our centre-back, I want to say, somewhere around the 2000s, 2003. He was, like yeah, he was earlier, one of the maybe. first players I remember, so he would have been like early 2000s. He's a defensive centre, defender, centre midfielder and had a very shiny head. 
Do you yeah. do you know what a specialist subject is? No, that's what I was going to say. I don't. I haven't found that out yet. I haven't okay. found that out. I mean, I'm sure there could be lots of there'll be there'll be lots of people who could uh, could uh, volunteer. I'm not in Holloway, in Holloway through the years. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so I, can I? It's not. It's not a celebrity one, is it? Because he's not really a celebrity. I mean, so it's, he's going we're, we're, on as a norm. Yeah, like niche two thousands footballers. We're, is we're not being slightly niche if we're talking. If it was celebrity, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Um, it must have been a long list if he if if, if they uh, had to go to him. For, you know, he is he story. is a not even a Z-list celebrity. <laughs> no. a, you know when they no. start counting the theatre or QPR in the theatre. I don't. I haven't been to the theatre for a long time. But you know when they go after twenty six rows after row Z, and then they go A A B B. So Steve Palmer is probably a W W. <laughs> also, uh, I forgot my Oz end. Happy Hanukkah oh. to all our Jewish listeners. Sorry. Carry on. Thank you. It is That's the first sigh night. from David. <laughs> it, it is the first night of Hanukkah tonight. Thank you. Paul, I appreciate that. Flo, go. Um, yeah, agree with uh, everything everyone said. Maybe bar Steve Palmer or Mastermind, um, but <laughs> lovely surprise from Chris there. Um, my my Oz end is very Finny themed. Um, for everyone that's going on Saturday, have a great time. Bring the noise, wear a mask, create a bit of atmosphere. And I, I just hope it's it's really good. And obviously everyone's waited so long for this moment. So I just really hope you get a good performance and are rewarded with immense loyalty financially and emotionally over the last nine months. So, um, Score. yeah, play up. Score. And if you do, on the way out, Finn, you'll personally thank you for everything you've done for the club. <laughs> If we uh, win, I will stand outside mask on thanking every single supporter for everything they've done turning up and fighting the <laughs> pandemic and seeing Rangers beat the fake hoops. What's as the we score call going to be? They lost last night. I'm going to go 2-0 to QPR. A clean sheet? Are you having a yeah. laugh? Yeah. If it's not, not well. <laughs> <laughs> he is isolating. Yeah. I think it's going to be goals. I'm going 3-2 QPR. 3-2. Flo? Yeah, I think a goal first. I'm going to go 3-2 as well. Hey. I think it'll be a two-all draw. Yeah. That's nil-nil then. We, 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 couldn't, we, we, we couldn't keep a clean sheet in the Premier Inn. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You've been saving that one. I, like no, I just it. thought of it there now. No, you didn't. There's no way you just thought about it. You absolutely I just did. Liar. I just did. Pathetic sometimes. man. You have not just thought of that. I did. My brain sometimes works. Right, I've got to go, chaps. I've got to go and play Ludo. So, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, time. With, um, with a child, I hasten to add. That is mine. Got... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good enough reason as any. Thank yeah. you for listening to Open All Ours, the QPR <laughs> podcast. Rangers.